0: 183 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 20th of June, 2022. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. How's it going? Graham. Bonsoir. And Will. Hello. Let's get straight into our discoveries. And Will, your first one is (laughs) Libra teabag. Librat bag. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's definitely Libra (laughs) teabag. Anyway, what is it? (laughs) Well, big
1: news. I've got a new mouse. My five pound multicolour, super cheap, 1000 dpi mouse died well start started getting a bit <laughs> grotty and uh and and the middle button stopped working and it didn't track properly so i bought a new one and i didn't buy another five pound mouse i bought a logitech g203 uh which is a gaming mouse but is it doesn't look like kit you know it's it's normal shaped mouse it hasn't got a thousand buttons on it it's uh it's quite a nice mouse but it's got a really good sensor on it and it's really sort of fine definition and it also lights up and so i thought well that's fine i wonder how i can turn that off Uh, and the answer to that is download lib rat bag and the associated gui package called piper and it talks whatever these mice talk and it talks a lot of gaming mice's language and it lets you change the color of the light for example you can set it to black which is the best color you can work through all the different patterns and you can change the dpi settings and all that sort of thing so without this i would have been stuck um because if I plug it into Windows machine, I could have changed it, but then as soon as you unplug it and plug it back in again, then it defaults back to uh, to standard.
0: Ah, so it doesn't send it to the actual mouse then? Because that, that was what I was thinking. Surely you could just do this on Windows.
1: Well, I, I did do it on Windows, and when I plugged it back into my Linux box, it started flashing again. So uh, maybe mm. I didn't do it good. But Ratbag saved the day and allowed me to, uh, to configure my mouse. So yes, if you've got a lighty up mouse and you want to change how it lighty ups
2: then check out Ratbag. This is like the sort of car equivalent of buying a sort of like super low racer with lights underneath it and then painting them with Tipex. isn't
0: it? Can you configure the buttons? Because you've got those two side buttons that are traditionally back and forward in the browser and that just, I hate that.
1: Yes, likewise. Uh, I hate those as well. Uh, Yes, it supports that, and you can set them to some... There are some predefined entries in there uh, which can run macros and various other standard actions, and one of the actions is nothing,
2: and that's the correct setting. I don't think I can cope with this setting a light to black
0: (laughs) and setting an action to nothing. It (laughs) It just seems all wrong. Now, you see, the problem with this particular mouse is it's got a cable sticking out of it, which I just can't be having... So I need to find a wireless equivalent of that. But 35 quid, I mean, like you. How much? 35 quid, it says on the Logitech site.
1: Oh, well, I paid about 16 quid for it from Amazon. Ah. I would not spend 35 pounds on a mouse.
0: Well, yeah, I normally spend five and my mouse is shit. So I really need a new one, but it needs to be wireless. So, uh, yeah, if someone can recommend a wireless mouse that, I can turn those annoying buttons off with. I don't mind it glowing, that's fine by me. But maybe like 20 quid max, that would be great. I can't believe you should pay below
2: 50 quid for a mouse. 50 quid for a mouse? It's something that you have your hand on for essentially all of the time you use a PC, unless you have a freakish accordion keyboard like
0: Graham.
2: <laughs> I mean, at least one of your hands is constantly attached to this thing, and you're not going to... To stop you getting RSI or your fingers breaking and falling off, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, no, I, I'd always pay at least 50 quid plus. My car costs 50 quid. I'm not
1: going to spend the same <laughs>
3: amount. I really agree with Phelium. I had such chronic elbow pain from my old mouse that I couldn't sleep. Wow. That's why it's switched to a trackball, but I it's just so important. Fifty quid's okay. And your keyboard has to be at least 120 plus.
2: (laughs) 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 None of your membrane muck
3: round here (laughs) sometimes. I
0: mean
3: it's still cheaper than a tank of petrol.
0: All right, Phelan, what is WeWX? I'd love
2: to know how to say it properly, but that's that's about <laughs> as far as I go, or Wee weeks or something. Essentially, is a weather station hoovering up software and presenting software. I have a super cheap Maplin weather station I've had for absolutely ages, mm-hmm. almost 10-odd years. But underneath, it's actually a fine Something or Other WS1080 or WH1080, I can never remember. So it uses like the TV tuner stick in SDR mode, software-defined radio, and it hoovers all the data down from that. And I was dumping that into a graphite backend. Sorry, Will. (laughs) What happened was my machine that did that blew up when a power cut happened last week because it wasn't on the UPS. It was off in a cupboard somewhere. (laughs) So I decided that, you know, I should really try out this thing that one of my pals has been using for ages and hooked it up. And I'm using the LCD display that came with it. So I get the internal house stuff too. So I get it inside temperature and pressure reading and it plugs in via a USB cable into the Pi. This thing makes a static web page, which the beautiful thing is you can actually ship it somewhere else using either FTP or RSync. So you could put it online, but not have it like accessible and smart, just be a dumb series of images and HTML pages that gets updated every now and again. And uh, you have all the info on your weather station nicely
3: displayed, and it's actually really professional-looking as well. Nice. It looks amazing. I'm just looking at a screenshot now. It looks so slick. Yeah, and like there's loads of themes available for it and stuff like
2: that as well. I mean, I haven't really played with those too much, but it is amazingly well done, and it's so simple. It just sits there as a SystemD job. Um, it can probably sit as a, in its script as well. But it, it's Python-based, and it is fully Python 2 and 3 even still. Uh, The only reason that I say Python 2 is important is the fact that I have it on an old Pi that has Ubuntu 18.04 and the library that it uses to talk some of the various bits wasn't in 3 in the version of Ubuntu. And I always say, try and stick with the distro versions if you can. And uh, so I just installed the version 2 and come version 3, I can just upgrade to that and it should work fine. It's an amazing project.
0: All right, Graham. it seems like you've been playing with the smart TV. (laughs) Yeah, so I have an LG
3: smart TV running webOS. And it has an app store, and I'm sorry, Felium, you're just going to have to close your ears or something. But in fact, what motivated this fine was I talked about Jellyfin an episode or two ago, and I wanted a native app for my TV. It's not on the LG web store. But fortunately, on many of these webOS devices by LG, there's a developer mode that you can enable. And then with that developer mode enabled, there's a really nice open source app called Dev Mode Manager, which basically you can open a terminal on your TV, but also (laughs) more importantly, you can install apps that other people have built for it. Um, So you can install a native Jellyfin app, but also there's Moonlight for game streaming, there's RetroArch, there's even Doom, of course, and a whole homebrew channel of its own. But this is all made possible by basically a package manager in this device manager uh, for your TV. Can you uninstall all the software off (laughs) the TV? (laughs) Well, I haven't taken it much further, but I, I don't think it'd be too difficult to root your TV from this point and then probably do whatever you want. Looking at some of the
2: screenshots, it looks like it's got Linux running on it internally. Mm. Then,
3: yeah, well, it's WebOS, uh. and it works. It, it's a bit of a faff enabling developer mode, and the biggest faff actually is that developer mode's only enabled for forty-eight hours on the TV.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but it's pretty easy. It's got once it's enabled, it's basically an API call on the TV. Sorry, Felim, <sighs> you can set up a cron job to basically refresh developer mode automatically, and which is what I've got doing for my. Um, home Assistant Raspberry Pi. So it never disables developer mode. It's better than the dipping duck on the uh, <laughs> remote control, I guess. Yeah, it's it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant if you happen to find yourself with one of these cursed televisions.
1: I'm pretty surprised that LG have enabled a developer mode on their TV. I think it's a, a great idea, the fact that if you are developing webOS apps, that you should just be able to go to the shops, buy a telly that's got webOS on it, and switch on developer mode and use it as a test bed. Uh, I think that's a great idea. I've got a Sony TV and a Samsung TV, and obviously I you know, played around in the hidden menus and that sort of thing, and there's nothing like that on there, uh, and I wish there was. So
2: well done, LG. Yeah, imagine that, control of the hardware that you bought to run in your own house. <laughs> that's
0: crazy talk.
3: <laughs> yeah, you, you do have to install a develop mode app, and you have to get a key for it, but you, anyone can do it.
0: All right, well, my first discovery is the LMN3, or is it the Lemon 3? I'm not sure. This is an open source door in a box. You may have heard of the Teenage Engineering OP1, which is like a little sampler synth keyboard thing that you can make a whole song on, in theory. Well, the Lemon 3 is a completely open source version of that, with all schematics available and 3D printed body and... All the software, open source and everything. And it's, it's not as advanced as the OP1, but it's still cool nonetheless. But like a lot of these open source synth things, you look at it and you think, yeah, I really want to do that. But then you think, well, it's an awful lot of work to actually build it. It does look pretty cool, though. It does look cool. And it's just made of off-the-shelf parts, like loads of just uh, key switches. So you can put whatever keycaps you want on there.
3: Yeah, that's what I like about it. it. Using actual tactile key switches, I think, is quite a nice thing for a musical instrument
2: although it turns out that using blue switches on a keyboard (laughs) for music was a really bad idea
3: headphones (laughs) it's probably not that difficult to put together i mean if you can get the printed circuit boards then you know soldering a few potentiometers and switches on there well it's more than a few but it's probably only a couple
0: of hours work yeah but can you record your hands clapping and then slow it down and sound like a horse clapping along just use coconuts
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> how did the coconuts get here though
2: <laughs>
0: all right someone mentioned doom well that is one of my discoveries you can now play doom on a motherboard that supports Coreboot as its bios replacement i just thought that was mad and it led me down a rabbit hole actually and i found that someone has even managed to port doom to a bluetooth dongle So a USB Bluetooth dongle with some other hardware, admittedly, like a screen and stuff. But you sort of, you you hear of like, oh, can it run DOOM? Anything can run DOOM. But it seems that fucking literally anything can run (laughs) DOOM these days.
1: (laughs) Well, the ARM processor on that uh, Bluetooth dongle is, well, I I dread to think how powerful it is compared to uh, the early PCs that were running DOOM. It's uh, incredible to think about.
0: All right, Phelim, you've been digitizing Hi8s with OBS. What's Hi8? Hi8 looks like a backup tape from a Sony backup tape drive.
2: Uh, It is, in fact, a digital form of Cam footage store. God knows. I don't know. I know nothing about these things. I never had one growing up, but my wife had one. We had to get some archive footage back from one she has from growing up. And we couldn't get audio to work for importing. We have this cheapo USB, what is it called? A K-World DVD Maker 2. I'll tell you this much. It does not make DVDs. It's a USB dongle that actually goes on fire when it's trying to import audio and video. And I was looking for a piece of software that could be easy to use. And she ended up finding OBS does this, which was surprising to me. I thought that was only a streaming app, but... uh No, it has got a very good uh, import of audio using itself. And uh, yes, for anybody who's looking to use a Hi8 tape from a handy cam into their PC, I can confirm that these
0: two things work. Well, I used OBS mm, best part of a year ago now to digitize some old VHS recordings, like I was playing football and uh, my family on holiday and stuff. And these were from uh, mini VHS tapes, so I had to get an adapter for that, then I had to get a, uh, like a component, I think it's called the, the RCA adapters, the phono adapters, to HDMI, and then HDMI into a USB dongle, and then into OBS. And I got like two or three frames a second in Linux, and then I just installed OBS on Windows, and it just magically worked perfectly.
2: This was on Linux, and it worked, worked absolutely perfectly, like a really amazing quality.
0: Yeah, well, I'm told that if you change the the options and stuff, you can do it, but I was just too lazy. I had a laptop that had Windows on it, and uh, it just worked perfectly, and I just capped all these uh, old home recordings, put them on my NAS, and never looked at them again. <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux, support the show, and get $100 free credit. From their award-winning support, offered 24 7 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace, or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. And check out their managed MySQL, Postgres and MongoDB databases that allow you to quickly deploy a new database and defer management tasks, like configuration, managing high availability, disaster recovery, backups, and data replication. Simple and fast to deploy with secure access, their flexible plans include daily backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can go to latenightlinux.com support to find out more. And remember, for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux Downtime, and Linux After Dark. And like I always say, check out those two shows if you haven't yet. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Let's do some feedback then. Gerlas wrote
2: to us. In episode 179, you talked about a tool to use an old laptop as a second display for another, perhaps more powerful PC. I think the solution is deskreen or Descreen. Descreen. <laughs> desk screen deskreen desk screen desk screen the screen okay that's it deskreen it's a nice tool you install or not install since it's an app image for it on your main computer that creates a video stream of any window or screen you choose and you can see that stream in a browser running on any other device laptop tablet or whatever You actually open a browser on that other device, point it to the URL given by desk screen. The screen, shit. (laughs) And and there's your window or screen. No fiddling needed. Duplicating a window or screen is not that useful unless you're doing a presentation. But if you get a HDMI or DisplayPort dummy plug and you connect it to your main PC and tell the screen to share the screen linked to that thing, you can actually see that second screen on that other device. Actually, it works as if there was a second display for your system. Since you're streaming video from one device to another one, quality depends on local network speed and encoding and decoding speed of the devices that you're using, as you might expect. I wouldn't use it for video or photo editing, but it's perfect for text. I use it to keep an eye on reference docs or system logs while working on my main screen.
0: I love that there's just so many solutions to this problem.
2: And I love how all projects have terrible names.
0: (laughs) Yes. So thanks for that. I will put a link to it in the show notes. Now, I wanted to get a little bit meta. I want to talk about why we don't cover some stuff on this show. Sometimes people write to us and ask, why did you not cover this big open source story? And there have been various things lately that we could have talked about, but we haven't. And seemingly everyone else is talking about them. Now, sometimes it's because we just don't have anything interesting to say about them. Like, for example, when there's a SUSE release. We have nothing against OpenSUSE or SUSE generally, but none of us use it, and there's just not really that much we can add to the conversation about it. It's a fine distro, but we just don't have much interest in it. Same with Fedora. We don't mention that very often. But, again, that's a great distro. Sometimes there are things that everyone else is talking about, but we actively choose not to talk about it for various reasons. So I suppose the first question is, do you all agree with me that we're doing the right thing by not talking about certain seemingly big open source things?
3: I personally do, yeah. I'm a big believer in not amplifying messages. Um, that's why I don't respond to so much stuff on Twitter. It's just it seems the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that there's a lot of um, outrage out there, people looking for reasons to be cross about something. and I don't think that we help anybody by amplifying those stories. And also, a lot of it, just don't give a shit about. And uh, there's enough <laughs> other people out there talking about it that it just feels like we can focus on the stuff that either we think will make a good conversation or we find personally interesting.
2: Yeah, and I think there's... I I don't want to call them scams or scammers or whatever, but there's a lot of things where you'd look at and you just go, I don't know enough about this. It doesn't seem legit, but I don't want to equally jump in on something and say yeah that's a load of shite when it might not be
0: well yeah and i look around and i see a bunch of people get a bit of hardware and from back channel conversations i know that they're getting to keep that hardware for free and then they do their glowing reviews on youtube or whatever for it and you know you you see that kind of thing and you see companies i mean i've been sent hardware by companies and i've not talked about it because I don't think that it's going anywhere, the company. I think that, you know, that it's a dead-end project. And, you know, so just send it back. I mean, I, I've got on my desk a bit of hardware now that I'm telling you, I emailed them a couple of weeks ago saying, uh, do you want this back or what? Because it's just useless to me. I emailed everyone who's ever talked to me from that company and just crickets. I, I just think that company has just disappeared. And so, you know, I've been burnt in the past by talking about companies And, you know, really giving quite a lot of airtime to companies who've turned out to be dodgy as fuck, quite frankly. And I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but like, you know, the the real sociopaths and shit who I've been dealing with, who have seemingly been all right, and then have turned out to just be, like I say, psychopaths, sociopaths. And it, it just makes me really wary of covering anything. If it's new these days, you know, a new bit of hardware, a new hardware company comes along or a new software project comes along. I mean, software is different, right? If it's open source, there's no warranty implied or whatever. You just do whatever you like with it. But hardware that you're spending actual money on, I think that that's why we don't talk about a lot of hardware because we're all just quite skeptical and jaded at this point.
2: I think it's good to have a healthy dose of cynicism because I think, and not to be too harsh, but I think our cousins across the waters might be there they're generally very enthusiastic about things. And I think it's nice to have a sort of counter to that. And that's not just to be a curmudgeon about stuff, but I just think it's sometimes the reality of when things actually hit the market or whatever can be a bit different than when they're sort of at the test bed stage or, you know, the fresh from the factory sort of look. And I think it's good to have a healthy dose of cynicism about things because often those things can bite you later on
0: and drama's another thing that we've kind of touched on here I just don't want to cover drama anymore and sometimes it's impossible but most of the time I just feel like you can only really make it worse if you start gossiping about drama then you're not really going to add anything to it are you? you're only going to pour petrol on the flames of that drama and but then I also think well hmm is it really the best thing to ignore that drama? Because maybe people should know about it because it will inform their decisions about what hardware and software they'll use. I mean, it's mostly software where you get drama.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's funny because I think it's if something keeps going, then I think it's a real thing. Like Jim talks about a provider that has some very questionable public practices that they've done. And I am going to actually rebuild my main router because of the stories that he has said about that company that do it. And that software, and they just seem, I don't know, bizarre, the stuff that they come out with. And I think if they're persistent, it's not a knee reaction anymore. It's say, Jesus Christ, what
0: the hell's going on? Yeah, and similarly with certain distros that are just made by idiots, as far <laughs> as I can see. And, you know, again, I'm not naming any names, but th- there's just certain distros that we don't talk about. I mean, I've deliberately named... Suse and Fedora as decent, solid distros that we just don't really have much interest in for whatever reason. But there are some fairly big name distros out there that I just think are run by clowns and so I'm just not going to cover them. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're brilliant distros, but uh, you're just not going to hear about it. They're not going to get the oxygen of publicity on this show. And I feel like I wish more media coverage was like this. I wish people would be more... Selective, because sometimes I feel like we're cutting off our noses to spite our faces by not covering certain things that are big in this world. Yeah, it used to be called something. There was a profession that used to do it this way. I oh, yeah. But it was. Mm. They should have written
3: that down on like
0: sheets of paper or something. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I just, I blame YouTube. And I have this such a love-hate relationship with YouTube now. On the one hand, I love YouTube. For example, it was suggested to me, the World Cup of Nine Ball Pool has been happening over the last couple of weeks and it kept suggesting it to me. And I watched loads of matches and highlights and it was fucking brilliant. The best way to have a shit that you can, <laughs> I'm telling you. It's brilliant. You too could pot the brown. <laughs> <laughs> and now I just want to play Nine Ball Pool, right? But then you look at all the other people with their fucking pointing, mouth agape thumbnails. <laughs> At chasing the algorithm, and I just cannot fucking stand that. There's people who I've been following for a while who have just desperately chased the algorithm and I've just stopped watching their shit because they can get fucked, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of feel bad in my ivory tower of small but loyal audience that fluctuates no more than about 10 or 15% per episode because YouTube's just not like that. There's no loyalty there from the audience. It's all at the whims of the algorithm, seemingly. And people can put out a video that gets 100,000 views one week and then the next week they get 2,000 views and then the next week you get 5 million and then they're back to 10,000 and it's just totally all over the place. So I do get it, but I just I hate what YouTube has done to media coverage. I think
3: you're properly into old man territory there. <laughs> I think there's a whole generation younger than us who really don't give a fuck about what you're saying about YouTube algorithms. They just want instant gratification they don't care about thinking about it too deeply and it's already too late so all you're doing is reinforcing the algorithm by not participating
0: how am i what how that doesn't make sense i'm voting with my clicks
3: no because it just leaves it just leaves the gap for all those people who are incessantly clicking on the next thing on the next thing on the next thing and it's too late that's what it is that's what it's become
0: so the algorithm has decided you're an old man watch some nine ball pool
3: yeah for what it's worth we'll we'll move you over here.
0: So maybe that's good then. Maybe the people that are clicking on the stupid fucking thumbnails actually like that shit.
3: Yeah. I think I think as the people are they're tra- being trained into it. They're being tra- and, and it'll move on. But it'll move on in ways that we don't necessarily understand because we can't engage with it and nor should we be able to because that's what happens when people get older. The things that we grew up being influenced by are brought along with us for the journey and they're non, not relatable to younger people and nor have they ever been and this is just your admission that you're just getting too old and out of it to understand
0: I used to be with it but how come then I like music from a decade before I was around like I like the Sweet, I like Bari I like ACDC I like all sorts of 70s music for example and I wasn't even fucking born then yeah we shouldn't allow you have that music
1: actually well, I, I think you'll find that things were better in the old days. Yes, they were. Clearly, yeah.
0: And this was all fields. <laughs> Do you lot not have a love hate relationship with YouTube then?
1: Oh, I have a very, very similar relationship to youtube that you do that i've got the things that i subscribe to because i find those interesting but that's not my landing page now it's this like collection of horse shit (laughs) Uh, and just every so often there's an absolute gem in there and i subscribe to that person and the rest of their content is uh, not quite as interesting not quite as engaging yeah, it's infuriating. However, it's also an incredible uh, resource for, for learning how to do stuff. Mm. You can learn pretty much anything on there just by watching
2: somebody else do it. Yeah, don't get that fucking thing, though, where people could have like described how to install something in five steps of text. But no, it's a 10-minute fucking YouTube video I've got to watch. No, man.
0: When mm. I change the door on
2: my washing machine, man. Yes, it's a physical thing. But when people start telling you how to like do software-based things in a fucking video, fuck right off, you fucking wankers.
1: I agree. The, the stuff where YouTube is good is fixing your washing machine or replacing the seatbelt in the back of your car. It is not. Here is a recipe that was given to me by my grandmother on her deathbed, and this is what she went... Would- you know and so on and so on and so on all of that stuff can fuck off but the actual watching a man or a woman or whoever do a thing and like being able to copy that and relate to what it is that i'm trying to achieve that's very very useful i'm fearful for your
2: children and your (laughs) clearly knitted seatbelts that you've made them the dog chewed through it (laughs) allow me to darn that back together
1: (laughs) No it's great i like i the, the dog chewed through the the seat belt, but yeah, you know, it's all bolted together, so like i I went on the internet and the internet told me exactly what I needed to do and how to do it with step by step instructions of somebody actually going through it, and that saved me hundreds and hundreds of pounds, so that's great.
0: well, we seem to have strayed somewhat off the point, but um, <laughs> suffice to say, I just hate how everything is covered, and uh we're old men, and that's why we just only talk about the things that we like because uh, otherwise it'd just be us moaning like this every fucking episode Um, isn't that well no mind. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah hang on it is yeah oh well that's why you love us (laughs) anyway with that then we'd better get out of here we'll be back next week when we might be talking about the news but we're properly into the depths of summer now so who knows what we'll be talking about but until then I've been Joe I've been Phelan I've been Graham, and I've been Will see you later